Whitehawk Capital, we are a direct lending fund, and I know you've all heard about uh, direct lenders. Um, we, we focus specifically on companies that are rich in assets and most likely um, short on cash flow. Uh, we focus on companies that can't get uh, loans or any type of debt from, call them regular way, uh, capital providers, mostly the banks. So we focus only on the assets. Uh, we hold the company and their management team to their business plan, but uh, our out and our exit is through the value of those assets. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Welcome to the Financial Commute, a weekly podcast that gives you the rundown on what's going on in the current market, how it affects you, and what you can do about it, all designed to fit into your commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski, and each week I share the table with a knowledgeable guest, including Morton Wealth Advisors, fund managers, and investment analysts, to break down complex financial topics. Our goal is to provide you with the tools to help you navigate any market environment, leading to a path of more confident investing. I'm really excited to introduce Bob with Whitehawk. He has probably the biggest shoes to fill for two reasons. Number one, he's butting up against happy hour. And number two, his partner, John Ahn, who was at our symposium last year with Whitehawk, was the, the star of the show. Everybody, client, COI, prospect that we talked to, um, they left that symposium saying, I want to invest with Whitehawk. And that guy, John, was amazing. Um, so Whitehawk is one of our private lending companies that focuses on making loans to companies backed by physical assets. You know, I said it earlier, if you follow some of those hard written rules that our industry says that, you know, says only invest in index funds and this and that, and, you know, don't look outside the box for other opportunities, you're missing out on some tremendous opportunities. And so Bob's here with Whitehawk. Um, Bob, why don't we start by talking a little bit about who Whitehawk is and what you guys do? Yeah, sure. Um, and had I known that John was such a hit last year, I would have sent him back. So uh, apologies in advance. Um, Whitehawk Capital, we are a direct lending fund. And I know you've all heard about uh, direct lenders. Um, we, we focus specifically on companies that are rich in assets and most likely um, short on cash flow. Uh, we focus on companies that can't get uh, loans or any type of debt from, call them regular way, uh, capital providers, mostly the banks. So we focus only on the assets. Uh, we hold the company and their management team to their business plan, but uh, our out and our exit is through the value of those assets. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Okay. So you're loaning to companies that um, are asset rich, probably can't get a loan from a bank. You care a lot about the assets. We're in a weird environment. Banks are closing. Some small, medium-sized banks are shutting down worried about inflation, higher interest rates, fears of recession, um, and you're loaning to companies that can't get a traditional loan. How many people think that sounds like fun, right? But yet, what yeah. type of environment, this is where it gets better, what type of environment do you really thrive in? It's coming to us right now. Um, you know, I've been doing this a long time as well as my partner, and if we go back through the various cycles and you know, it can go back to 91, 92, 2001, 2002, the financial crisis, those are the best markets for our type of strategy. Now, I'd say we still do well when the credit markets are really, um, really buzzing where they're really good credit markets and credit is readily available to most companies. Um, but when it comes to the, to the time periods where 
companies can't access the capital markets, that's where we do the best. And the focus really for us is, like I said, on the assets, but it's not just some book value that's placed on the balance sheet or what someone may tell us. It's about the liquidation value of those assets. Because if you looked at my portfolio today, and if you worked in a bank, you would say, well, that's a workout portfolio. I think I, one of your other uh, speakers was talking about they've got to you know, look for advisors with great workout skills or workout teams. Our portfolio is a workout portfolio, and our whole team has experience doing that, and that's what we do. So we determine what the liquidation value is an asset of the assets are. We determine are those assets, can they be liquidated in probably the worst possible time for those assets to be sold? And we figure out that value, and that's what we lend against. And then we monitor the heck out of it, and we stay on top of it. And do we receive monthly reports? Yeah, in some cases, weekly. And we may lend out money, and I've heard a lot of things talk about how direct loans or direct lending is more of an illiquid market, and it is. There's no doubt about it. And I'll lend money to companies for three to five years, but our portfolio turns every 18 to 20 months. And the reason being is, go back to the first one. These companies don't generate cash flow. So they're either going to succeed, turn their company around, and refinance us out, or they don't, and I'll go and collect the money through the liquidation of those assets, those very same assets that we lent against. I think I'm feeling a little bit better about the fact that you're loaning money to companies that aren't doing well and can get a traditional loan because you're valuing the assets, worst case scenario. But you mentioned to me on, on a call and some other um, conversations that we've had that in times of uncertainty, in times of uh, volatility, you're seeing five to 10 times more opportunities to make loans and so you can be a lot more specific. You're not lending to everybody. And so when you're only seeing one or two deals across your table, that's when you're like, oh man, I'm not feeling so good. But in times like this, you're seeing a lot more opportunity. Yeah, this is, it's a little counterintuitive. When the markets are really, well, I'm not going to say this market is really poor, but when they start to suffer, uh, we start to see what in the past would be a mediocre company that could obtain credit from a bank. And they can, they can no longer do that. So they'll come to, to firms like ours. So in this, in this type of environment, we'll start to see what truly really are, for me, better performing companies, companies that have a reason to exist, and they, um, you know, but for whatever reason, they can't access uh, you know, debt from somebody else. So they come to us and do that. Now, during COVID, correct me if I'm wrong, was one of those companies Neiman Marcus? Uh, yes. I mean, I'd feel pretty good about shoes and purses and handbags. People can't go into a store because the malls were closed, but I'm pretty sure there's value there, right? So if Neymar Marcus is coming to you saying, hey, I need $10 million to kind of get through this shaky period, a bank's not going to loan money to me because my stores are closed. You guys are presented with a great opportunity. That's right. And we do, we're industry agnostic, so I really don't care what industry they are, but retail is a, a great example. And we've lent money to Neymar Marcus, JCPenney, um, Barney's, New York, uh, Radio Shack, uh, some companies that don't exist anymore. But we not only got all of our principal back, but we got our principal and our contractual return. So when companies fail and no longer exist, they go through a bankruptcy and or a liquidation process, we actually earn more money in those companies. So it's not a, hey, you know, how much did you lose? No, it was, well, how much did you make? And it's not because we take the asset and we we sell it for more than we were owed. Um, 
we can take the asset and sell it for what we are owed. And that's how we kind of design and, and underwrite every transaction. I think that that's a real key differentiator. When you're making these loans, you're valuing those assets. Look, if I got to sell these things within the next 30 days, what am I likely to get out of it? How much is that worth? We're willing to make that loan and charge this interest rate. Now, our compliance officers just sat down, so say the right thing. What, what's your um, target yield that you guys are going for right now? Um, our, our target is uh, in the low to mid-teens, uh, net to the investor. And, um, you know, we've been doing this, my partner and I, for close to nine years now. And um, that's been our target the entire time. You know, I think uh, when rates were at zero, it was, a, it was a difficult environment for us. We still achieved those returns. Uh, our portfolio probably, and I'll talk a little bit about the portfolio in a second, but we had a lot more liquidations in that environment uh, when the markets were really good because we were dealing with really bad companies. Um, and today, you know, given the rise in rates, and can I say, yeah, our, I mean, our current cash yield on our portfolio today is 16.2%. And we collect that on a monthly basis. All of our customers are cash pay. We don't pick any interest. Even when they stumble and fall, we still collect cash interest. Even when they go into bankruptcy and I'm liquidating the assets, I'm still getting, I'm collecting and getting paid cash interest. And all of our rates are floating rates with SOFR floors. So as rates have risen, our floors have risen, and we're locking in these rates as we come down. I don't fix the rate. I'm not playing the interest rate environment. I'm not playing a commodity. I'm not playing on the success of the outcome of the company. So our outcome in the portfolio is totally uncorrelated to the success of the company that we're lending money to. And that's a little counterintuitive to what a lot of people think. And so when you say floating rate, you're just referring to the fact that if interest rates rise, the yield on your loans is going to go up. And then the floor, meaning that's like the minimum interest rate that you're expecting to earn on that loan. That's right. So when LIBOR or SOFR, the base rate was at zero or 50 bips, um, we'd have that plus some form of a, um, a margin on top of that. Today, we do the same thing, except our floor is somewhere in the range of across the portfolio of like 3.5%. So even if rates were to bottom out and start to drop again, our floor, and it goes through that, um, our floor stays there. So we're always going to have at least a minimum of 3.5 plus our margin uh, to obtain these you know, returns that we're trying to target. And how long are the loans that you typically make to these companies? And then how often do you review the collateral that's behind this loan? So the collateral is a big piece of our equation or the success of our equation. So we'll lend out money anywhere. It could be as short as a bridge facility for six months, but we'll go out as long as five years. A lot of that more is for optics, for, for the companies, for their, their vendors, their suppliers, um, to give them some stability in what they're trying to accomplish. But because of our high costs uh, and or because of the performance of the company, they tend none of the companies that have repaid us to date have ever gone to maturity. Um, I've had one company go past two years on a five-year loan. Um, just to give you an idea, we've done over the last eight years about 80 transactions, which represented a, a little bit more than $3.5 billion in total debt. Uh, to date, uh, we've had 55 of those loans repay us. The rest are performing. <laughs> um, uh, about a billion is still outstanding. And out of those 55, this is where the kind of the proof is in the pudding, 14 of those 55 companies they went into bankruptcy. 
and they no longer exist. Sears Canada was one of them. Sears US we lent to, um, Bonton stores, Payless Shoes, a lot of retail names you would know, some other companies and in other industries you may not know, so we talk about the retailers a lot, but 14 of them no longer exist, and we got repaid. And it wasn't a, f a function of, wow, we lucky we got our money, we got our, our $10 back on a $10 loan. No, we got our $10 plus all of our interest that was owed to us, plus all of our fees that was owed to us. Now, we, we treat this whole process a, a lot differently. And I've been doing credit, like I said, my entire career. Typically, you would go into your credit committee and say, hey, here's a great management team. This is a great company. This is where they sit within their industry. And these are all the good things, and this is why we're going to lend to the company. And this is how they're going to pay us back. Well, our investment committee, my partner and I, it's a lot different. Okay, don't believe the management team. You don't trust what they say. You don't believe they can achieve their business plan. What are the assets worth? Okay, how do we get repaid? That's every single one. And there are some, some good management teams out there. I'm not knocking them that are in our portfolio, but I have to assume they're not going to achieve what they say they're going to achieve, and I'm going to have to go to the assets to get our money back. And in those 14 transactions, we did exactly just that. This sounds eerily familiar. If anybody knows our chief investment officer, Megan, she basically has that same point of view when she's sitting in the room interviewing him. I don't believe you. I don't trust you. How am I going to get screwed? And how are sure. you going to follow through on that, right? Is that kind of your experience? She still says that to me. <laughs> she's very charming when she does it. Um, tell me, look, I think most people in this room that are still listening to us um, are happy that we have a manager that says, hey, I like times of uncertainty. If something goes wrong, I'm going to find a way to protect you, and you're going to get a really nice return for investing with us. Tell us about um, a deal that you've done recently that you, know, you like or were excited about. I think it was Black Rifle Coffee. Yeah, so we do, and again, you've heard a lot of different um, investment options and, and structures today, but we'll do companies that they could be public companies, they could be private companies, they could be owned by a private equity firm, or they could be just independent ownership. Um, we did a company, it's a public company called Black Rifle Coffee Company. Some of you may have heard of it. Um, you know, they're in a, um, a real growth mode. So I know we talk about companies that are failing all the time and they're just bad management teams and whatnot. That's how we look at these things. But here was a company who could not get um, a loan from a bank. They had a loan with a, a regional player down in the southeast, but the company was growing dramatic, dramatically and needed some additional cash. And they didn't want to tap the equity market because equity to them was expensive. Now they find out that I'm probably more expensive than that. But, <laughs> but what, what they realized was they could not get the extra, the extra turn of capital they needed to fulfill their plan. And Obviously, we met with them. We analyzed their business plan, and they've got a good business plan. They really do. I won't tell my, my juniors that, but they do. Um, but they had great assets. They had great M&E. Um, they had real estate. And we've, we also have liens on the inventory, and obviously, the, the bank had the accounts receivable. But there was a transaction in there for us because, because of that growth, the company wasn't showing enough cash flow to meet certain requirements that the banks required. So there we came in perfectly. Now, will that company liquidate? No, it, it, it shouldn't. Now, I, wouldn't, I don't bet on any company, but it shouldn't. Um, and we've been in the deal for about two months now, and we've already seen their plan continue. 
You know, I don't have too many companies that achieve business plan. I just don't, and I'm okay with that. Um, this one is, and it's a surprise. It's pleasant, right? It's nice to see that. But it's a, it's a, it's one of those companies where it's not one where we are underwriting it to a full liquidation. Do I expect that to be the outcome? No, I don't. We are prepared for it, but it'll be a different outcome. Yeah, and I think you know sometimes people look at this and go, "Oh man, high cost of capital." You know, you're making sure that you've got assets behind it. Are you really just betting for people to fail? And no, that's not your business plan. It's just how, how do I best protect ourselves? And then we're able to provide a need. I think that's, that's right. Look, I am, like I said, I've been lending my entire career and always looking for companies that are good companies. I'm not looking to put a company into business. I'm not a loan to own player. I'm not a loan to liquidate, even though some people could think that. Um, that's not the goal. The goal here is, look, the company has a plan. They're all in transition and they're trying to achieve it. We could be, and most likely in some cases, are their last opportunity to do that. I just want to make sure that I don't throw good money after bad. And that's how, that's why we structure it and look at things the way we do. And, um, you know, I've, everybody, as soon as we lend to them, they can't wait to get rid of us because we're so expensive. And the ones that liquidate aren't happy that that's the outcome and they're not happy with us. But at the end, they always come back to us and say, you know what, thanks for giving us the chance. Every single one of them. And that doesn't, well, it makes me feel good, but that's not why we're doing it. We actually are trying to provide a company an option here to survive. If they don't, it wasn't because we lent them money. It was because they just weren't operating or their, their company shouldn't know, it has no, no reason to exist any longer. I'm not sure Radio Shack was gonna have a future with or without you anyways or companies like Blockbuster, for that matter. But where, where do you see opportunities um, going the next, call it six to 12 months? Yeah, so like I said earlier, we're, we're industry agnostic, so we'll go into all the different spaces. Uh, retail was obviously a big player, a part of our portfolio, going back to 15, 16, 17. We've seen a little bit coming out of COVID. Now, it's not so much the retailers, but we're seeing a lot of the consumer good companies. So they've experienced some first supply chain issues at the end of last year, which caused some liquidity issues. And now to be honest, and some of us are, could see it you know, these days in, in your own environments, uh, the consumer, the consumer drives a lot of what we see. So if the consumer starts to seal some pain, um, those companies that deal directly with the consumers will start to see that liquidity tighten. So we're starting to see with some, some consumer good companies do that. We're also seeing a little bit in healthcare um, a lot of rising costs within that healthcare industry in that space, putting some, some restraints on their liquidity. So we're starting to see some in the healthcare industry. And um, obviously with uh, the strikes that are going on now or the strike that's going on with the UAW, we'll start to see and have seen in the past some of the, uh, uh, in the automotive space in that sector. I guess we need a Taylor Swift effect outside of football and music, bit. right? Yeah. Um, you know, Bob, I'm, Again, really appreciate you coming all the way out here and sharing us with kind of what makes Whitehawk unique. I know that we talked about a lot of different things, but just to highlight the points that you thrive in opportunities that we're heading into because you're able to look at a lot more deals and be really picky on the ones that you do and making sure that you have sufficient assets behind those loans. Yeah, let me state, and Megan, this one's not necessarily for you, but for you. We are picky, trust me. We don't just do anything that comes across our desk. We see a lot of transactions. This is the, the largest our pipeline has been to date over the last nine years. Um, like I said, I've been through several cycles. I've lent money during the financial crisis, coming out of the financial crisis. The pipeline today is bigger than when I was doing it back then. 
I'm not saying the market looks like that. There's a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences too. But our pipeline is, it's really large and it's growing. And a lot of it has to do with what's going on, whether it's the banks pulling back um, or just the overall, you know, global environment. Uh, definitely we're seeing, like I said, larger companies, better performing companies uh, that can access the, the bank's uh, capital. And it's giving us a tremendous uh, amount of opportunity ahead. Thanks, Bob. And for those of you that really, oh, Larry, one second. For those of you that really like uh, Whitehawk, just know that their, con their fund is currently closed. Can't really get in, but there's a lot of opportunity. I know that we're in talks for um, some future opportunities and, and relationships with, uh, with Whitehawk. Larry, you have a question? You know, it's, I love the question. Um, an ABL lender, how they lose money is typically through fraud. And it's the assets you think you're lending against don't exist. So we do a lot of work on that front end and throughout the life of the loan to make sure that we have eyes on it and that the systems that the company uses to report those, both through vendors, through their own customers, um, that they're reliable, they're valid. So we've got a whole bunch of tests going on both before and after we lend the money out. But that's the really the largest and most uh, the, the largest risk for us in an ABL structure. That's a good question, Larry. Thank you, Bob. Enjoy happy hour. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We hope this episode has provided you with a roadmap to feel more confident as an investor. To receive notifications about weekly episodes, email us at financialcommute at mortonwealth.com.